well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm so glad you joined us on the program today. Coming up here in a matter of moments, we'll be talking about the latest prospects for gun control in the U.S. Senate. Uh, as well as later on in the program, a uh, story out of Indianapolis, Indiana, which is a perfect example of why we need to be focusing on enforcing the laws that are already on the books, laws against violent crime, rather than trying to impose new restrictions on the right to keep and bear arms, which, of course, is the uh, top priority right now for uh, Democrats, not only in the Senate, but in the U.S. House as well. Uh, uh, Democrats in the House passing H.R. 8, H.R. 46, the week before last, both measures dealing with background checks. H.R. 8, a uh, quote-unquote universal background check bill that would require background checks be performed on the vast majority of private transfers of firearms. H.R. 1446 would expand the length of time that the federal government has to conduct a background check from three business days to at least 10 business days and quite possibly indefinitely. Uh, given that uh, the seller of that firearm would have to petition the government for permission to sell that gun if more than 10 business days go by and the government has not gotten back to that gun seller. Both of these measures, again, not going to impact violent criminals because they don't obey the laws to begin with. They're not acquiring their guns legally. They're not going through a background check to get a gun. And we've talked about this. The, The fact that there are things that could be done right now to dramatically increase public safety without putting a new gun law on the books, without trying to infringe on the rights of legal gun owners. But Senate Democrats don't seem to be interested in that. Not as Democrats either, for that matter. Uh, What they are interested in, apparently, is politics over public safety. Take a look at this headline from BuzzFeed. This was over the weekend. Democrats are willing to rein in their gun control ambitions to break the NRA's hold on Congress. The NRA kind of walks around like they own Congress, said Senator Tim Kaine. Rather than wait for a comprehensive bill, why not, quote, do something? Yeah, not something that works. Not something that is actually going to make a difference for the good people who live in bad neighborhoods right now. No, 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 no. Something to try to put the NRA in its place. That is the top priority for Democrats right now. Not doing something effective but doing something that would allow them to issue a press release and say, look what we did. We showed the NRA. It's, it's absurd. It's obscene. It's not even absurd. It's obscene. There are real people being impacted by here. We're told by these Senate Democrats, by these gun control advocates in Congress, we have to do something. We have to do something right now. This is a crisis. This is an emergency. And then we see stuff like this. Senate Democrats have told BuzzFeed News they're considering curtailing their ambitions on gun reform and pushing a narrower piece of legislation that can actually pass, rather than sweeping reforms that would likely be doomed. The party winning both chambers of Congress plus the White House may have raised hopes for long-sought gun control measures such as a ban on quote-unquote assault rifles, but Democrats are instead starting to look at smaller measures that can win bipartisan support and break the National Rifle Association's strong influence over Congress. I never, ever, ever want to hear any of these anti-gun politicians say, we can't wait, it's an emergency, when they're playing games like this. If they truly did believe that banning AR-15s would dramatically increase public safety, then they'd be pushing for it. Even if they didn't have the votes, they'd be pushing for it. They'd be pushing for it right now. 
But I don't think they really believe that. I don't think they believe it's a crisis. I don't think they believe that gun control is the answer. This is about plain politics. This is about trying to put a black mark next to the NRA and say, look what we did here. Doesn't matter if a violent criminal isn't impacted in the slightest, because that's not where Democrats are aiming. They're aiming for you and for me and for every other legal gun owner out there. Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. I want to see us take real concrete steps on gun safety. We don't have to do every single thing at once. We could just take a bite, enough to show that the NRA does not have the entire Congress by the throat. Like what, Senator Warren? What's that first bite that you want? Nothing. Didn't say. No specifics. Nope. Not at all. The approach could put the Senate at odds with the Democrat-controlled House, says BuzzFeed, which just passed two bills to strengthen background checks and require them for nearly all gun purchases. One compromise being considered is a previous bill from Senators Joe Manchin and Pat Toomey to expand background checks to sales at gun shows and online, but not when individuals sell or give firearms to friends or family. Options like a quote-unquote assault rifle ban are likely off the table, but some Democrats think that they could get to 60 votes with a limited background check expansion paired with other more narrow measures such as expanding extreme risk protection orders which let police preemptively seize guns from people deemed to be dangerous. All right, so there's a lot to unpack there. Let's get started. First of all, I, I'm, I'm, I would say that I'm relieved to see uh, BuzzFeed report that a, a ban on AR-15s and modern sporting rifles appears to be off the table, at least for now. I'm not sure that I believe it. I don't think that they can get to 60 votes. But if they decide, again, this is going to be the, the running theme between now through the midterms. If they decide, well, we've got to nuke the filibuster, we're not going to get anything done otherwise, then all of a sudden, HR 8 and HR 1446, they're the least of our worries. Because if they nuke the filibuster, then it is on. And they're going to try to pack the court, and they're going to try to pack, not even try, they're, well, they're, well, yeah, when it comes to packing the court, they're going to try. And they would try to get a ban on modern sporting rifles to Joe Biden's desk, and they'd be able to do it with 51 votes, although Republicans, again, are vowing that they would simply grind business to a halt in the Senate uh, if the filibuster were nuked. But this is, BuzzFeed doesn't mention this, and I think that that infighting between Democrats on the filibuster colors every decision that is going to be made in Washington, D.C. between now and the midterms, because there is a large group of Democrats who believe that they are in this window of opportunity right now, and that window is going to slam shut come midterms, when Republicans, I think, have a very good shot of taking control of the House and maybe taking back the Senate as well. And so Democrats are operating under this assumption of, look, we only have a limited amount of time here. And we have to put these things in place, not only to get Joe Biden's agenda uh, through his uh, through Congress and to his desk, but to ensure that Republicans don't take power again. Talked about this uh, last week on the uh, at BarryAndArms.com, a, a piece of the Washington Post by one of the court packing advocates. And his attitude is simple. You can, you can say that packing the court would destroy the republic, but the republic has already been destroyed, he says, by, by activist republicans. And so nuking the filibuster, packing the court full of anti-gun justices would simply be, in his mind, in the mind of some of these other Democrats, restoring balance as opposed to establishing one-party rule. And yes, that court packing advocate said, look, if we pack the court, we could ban handguns. We could overturn the Heller decision. 
So again, we're not just talking about what Senate Democrats are going to do in terms of uh, you know HR eight and HR HR fourteen forty six. We're talking about what Senate Democrats are going to do in terms of the filibuster, in terms of pure majoritarianism, and I believe that the pressure is growing uh, on the Democrats in the Senate to actually blow up those norms and to establish what amounts to one-party rule, not just for the next two years, but forevermore in their mind. That's their goal. They, they say the, the Republican Party is illegitimate, that it has to be put in its place. And sure, maybe one day they would allow competition to arise again somewhere. But for the foreseeable future, no, no, no. They believe in democratic dominance at the federal level. I, I, and I, I think that's an uh, awful idea politically for all kinds of reasons. But that really is the, the undercurrent of everything that it is that we're talking about here. But let's, let's play along. Let's say, all right, the filibuster remains in place, takes 60 votes. So in that case, you're not going to get a gun ban. What about red flag laws? First of all, there are a couple of things here. Would they be talking about giving grants to states to set up their own red flag laws, which is problematic? Or would they be talking about trying to establish some sort of federal red flag procedure, which would be even more problematic? Because as BuzzFeed describes this, uh, they say the, the, the extreme risk protection orders let police preemptively seize guns from people deemed to be dangerous. Yeah. And then they don't do anything with the dangerous people. You know, a judge using a very low standard of review says, well, you know, preponderance of evidence leads me to believe you may be a danger to yourself or others. So we're going to take your guns. We're going to leave your knives. We're going to leave your car keys. We're going to leave your matches and your gasoline and your rope and your pills and everything else. We're going to take any legal guns that you might own. Does anybody really believe that that's the most effective way to deal with a dangerous individual? I mean, really believe that? Because to me... <laughs> Even if we're talking about people who, who truly are dangerous, taking any legally owned firearms they might have and leaving the dangerous person on the street doesn't actually solve the problem. This is a gun control bill disguised as a mental health bill. And again, it's about doing something as opposed to doing something that works. Now, speaking of do something politicians, geez, check out this quote. I'm trying so hard not to cuss. Today, I really am, because I could just let the F-bombs fly as I'm going through this BuzzFeed story. Check out this quote by uh, one of my two senators, Senator Tim Kaine of Virginia, who says, quote, my preference would be to do something like background checks just to show we can. Just to show we can. The NRA kind of walks around like they own Congress. I would say rather than wait for a comprehensive bill, why not do something? Tim Kaine, you pathetic Ah, okay, again, trying really hard not to cuss. How gross is that? Let's just do something because we can. J just so we can put the NRA in its place. Not do something that will actually make a difference in the lives of residents of high crime neighborhoods. Not do something that would actually start to tackle the problem of gang violence. Not, not Nothing like that. Let's just do something just to show we can. <laughs> I got to check and see when uh, Tim Kaine is up for re-election. I mean, Virginia is uh, unfortunately trending blue, so he's probably going to get re-elected next time. But that statement alone, to me, it should be worth a, a, a challenge to Tim Kaine. 
because I don't I don't believe that a guy like Tim Kaine should be in office if his goal is to stick it to the NRA as opposed to actually improving the lives of Americans. And that's exactly what he wants to do. While Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has said he wants to take up the House bills, BuzzFeed reports there is currently no timetable to do so. Yeah, remember? Remember a couple weeks ago? We're going to get this done. We're not going to wait. Yeah, they are. They're going to wait because it's such an emergency that that they're not going to act on it right away. In the meantime, the Senate is going in its own direction with a committee study led by Connecticut Senator Richard Blumenthal, uh, who says that he does not expect an omnibus-style suite of gun control reforms. He says, quote, there are obviously some parts and pieces of this agenda that are easier to frame in passable form than others. I think the approach should be comprehensive. That's the goal. But we may take it piece by piece, he says. So again, the, the, the goal and the agenda is not to reduce violent crime. It's to reduce legal gun ownership. It is to turn a right of the people into a privilege to be doled out by the government, which is why you will have so many Americans objecting to what the Democrats are trying to do, because they are aiming in the wrong direction. Look, there are more than 100 million Americans who are currently exercising their Second Amendment rights. Far more than that are eligible to do so. And they may very well decide one day, you know what? It's time. I'm going to buy a gun. Even if you're not exercising your Second Amendment rights right now, you should be willing to fight for them. You should be willing to stand up for them. You should be contacting your member of Congress, your senators, and telling them, look, this is ridiculous. You want to do something? Well, rather than try to score some sort of, you know, cheap points against the NRA or gun owners by passing something, why don't you actually work on something that will make a difference, that doesn't infringe on anybody's constitutional rights, that doesn't even set up a new crime? Because you don't have to do any of those things to effectively reduce violence. Let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report, which provides a perfect case in point. In Indianapolis a couple of days ago, well, now I guess it was, it's been about a week, there were four people shot in a home. The uh, suspect in this case apparently angry over a stimulus check. He wanted money from the stimulus check that uh, was given to family members. Didn't get it, so he shot and killed them. And now, today we get this headline from the Indianapolis Star. First came a gun charge, then a shooting. Now, he's accused of killing four on Randolph Street. That's right. This guy, accused of killing four people, well-known to law enforcement. Indianapolis Star even says, when Malik Halfacre faced a judge last week on charges that he killed four people on Randolph Street in Indianapolis, it was not the first time he was in court for his alleged role in a shooting. In May of 2017, so less than four years ago, Halfacre was charged with aggravated battery, carrying a handgun without a license, and pointing a firearm. The charges came after he was accused of shooting and wounding a man on the west side of Indianapolis. The most serious charge, a level three felony count of aggravated battery, carries a sentencing range of three to 16 years. But Halfacre did not receive three to 16 years. He did not receive a year behind bars. Instead, Halfacre entered a plea deal. And the aggravated uh, battery charge was dismissed. 
and he was sentenced to 250 days of probation, in addition to the 240 days that he had spent in jail awaiting trial. The Indianapolis Star quotes Rick Snyder, the president of the local fraternal order of police, as saying that Hatfinger's history is a, quote, prime example of a revolving door in Indianapolis criminal justice system that lets offenders off easy and leads to more crime. Marion County Prosecutor Ryan Mears says Hatfinger's case shows the challenge that his office faces every day. Uncooperative witnesses and victims. All right, let's talk about that. Because I think both of them are right. We do have a revolving door in our criminal justice system. And one of the reasons why we have that revolving door in our criminal justice system, uncooperative witnesses, uncooperative victims. Why is that? Well, in some cases, it may be the code of the street. Snitches get stitches, right? I'm not going to talk to police. We're going to keep this beef between us. I'm not going to get the police involved. That's a tough challenge. But there is something that, uh, that can be done for uh, another group of uncooperative witnesses and victims, those who are afraid to come forward. And again, why are they afraid? Because they see the revolving door in the criminal justice system. So why should I go testify in open court if I know that this individual is likely to get a slap on the wrist and be returned to the streets in a short period of time? Why should I do that? Even if, I, even if he does get put away for, let's say he gets put away for 16 years. He's got friends out there. He's got associates who might come after me because I put their buddy away. That is a real concern. And sadly, this is, again, this is an area in which Tim Kaine, Richard Blumenthal, Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, all of the Democrats could act. Instead of a new gun control bill, Instead of grants for red flag laws, how about grants to states? How about grants to high crime cities to bolster their witness protection programs to ensure that witnesses can come forward and testify and do so without putting their own life on the line? You think maybe we could do that? I mean, that's something, Tim Kaine. You get to do something. Now, here's the thing. The NRA would probably go along with it. I don't think the NRA would object. I haven't talked with anybody in the NRA, but I can't imagine the NRA objecting. But is that, the, is that a good enough reason to not do something? Well, it doesn't tick off the NRA. That's not, that should be the goal. The goal should be to save lives. And this would be a concrete step that would save lives. But instead, what are they doing? Engaging in this mental masturbation fantasy. Of, well, maybe we could start with a background check bill and then we could get a gun ban bill after that. Enough. People are dying. People are losing their lives needlessly. And Democrats, again, are aiming at legal gun owners with their legislative fire. People like Mr. Halfacre, yeah, they just get a slap on the wrist and a slap on the wrist. And then eventually, they commit a crime so heinous that it ends up on the front page of the paper that it leaves the nightly news. And then, and only then, do we decide to get serious with them. That's a hell of a stupid way to deal with violent crime. And we can't be shocked we're getting more of it. All right, today's Armed Citizen story, Cleveland, Ohio. Man killed seeking X at St. Patrick's Day party in Cleveland a month after he attacked her. So, uh... Again, not uh, sadly, not an unusual story. 
abusive ex shows up, tries to harm the uh, woman who left him. Thankfully, in this case, there was an armed citizen who was there to protect her. An 18-year-old man fatally shot a man who showed up at a St. Patrick's Day party looking for his ex-girlfriend, according to police. 29-year-old Derek Wilson died in early morning shooting in the city's stockyard neighborhoods. The 18-year-old who shot Wilson later gave an interview to homicide detectives and with his attorney, turned over his gun. Detectives did not arrest him. They are investigating the case as a potentially justified shooting under Ohio's Castle Doctrine. So this case is still open. This 18-year-old could still be facing charges, even though it seems pretty clear that he was acting in defense of another. According to the Cleveland Plain Dealer, a judge back in February issued a temporary protection order barring Wilson from going near his 25-year-old ex-girlfriend after she accused him of attacking her. Uh, The shooting happened last Thursday, about 7 o'clock in the morning. Wilson's ex-girlfriend was inside the home for a St. Patrick's Day party that was still going from the day before. Wilson showed up looking for his ex, got into an argument with another man that escalated into a fight outside of the home. The man then went back back inside the house, locked the front door. Wilson kicked the door several times. The 18-year-old, who was not involved in the fight, fired a single gunshot through the door, according to police, bullet hitting Wilson in the back, killing him. Back on February the 7th, Wilson attacked the 25-year-old woman in her home. She told officers at the time the two had been in a relationship for a couple of years. He had punched her in the face. Excuse me, punched her several times in the body, knocking her to the ground, and then stomped on her head several times, leaving her unconscious. She woke up. She didn't see Wilson in the room. She jumped out of a second-story window to escape, ran to a neighbor's home, called for an ambulance. She told officers that Wilson had become more violent during the past year, that he had threatened to kill her. He had choked her several times. She said that she believed he was capable of killing her, that he had access to weapons. Prosecutors filed uh, charges against Wilson two days later. A warrant was issued for his arrest. He was never arrested on that warrant. Again, you can put out a warrant. doesn't mean you're going to put on all points bulletin. So a restraining order had been filed and granted. A warrant was out for his arrest. He was never taken into custody. He has three previous criminal histories, or three previous criminal convictions, uh, carrying without a license and then possessing a firearm as a convicted felon. Again, no, um, no word on what type of prison sentence Wilson received for being a felon in possession of a firearm. Uh, eligible for a uh, federal prison sentence, but it doesn't sound like he got one. Cleveland Plain Dealer says this is the second time in recent weeks that a man accused of domestic violence was shot to death when he returned to attack his victim. February 21st, 21-year-old, staying with a domestic violence victim for her protection, fatally shot Mark Downs, who police said had returned to the woman's home to attack her. He had attacked the woman earlier in the day. Police had previously arrested and charged him with domestic violence in connection with an incident back on February the 7th, in which Downs repeatedly punched the victim in the face. No charges filed against the 21-year-old for that shooting. We'll keep our eyes on this uh, case out of Cleveland, the most recent case involving the 18-year-old. But again, in this case as well, just as in the case of Malik Halfacre in Indianapolis, the criminal justice system and the flaws within the criminal justice system helped this attack occur rather than preventing 
this attack. So why, again, are Democrats in Congress so focused on legal gun owners as opposed to stopping career criminals like, like these guys? All right, finally today, our good deed of the day, Winslow, New Jersey, where a, a police officer in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing in uh, rescuing a woman from her home on Saturday night. Patrolman Gerald Farron uh, pulling the uh, victim of this fire from a smoke-filled apartment around 9 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, according to the uh, Courier-Post, the woman uh, was hospitalized for treatment of burns as well as smoke inhalation. Uh, Farron was on patrol when he saw the flames coming through the rear sliding door of a ground floor apartment at the Edgewood Acres Complex. The officer alerted the uh, dispatch. Firefighters were on their way, but before they arrived, he entered the apartment's front door to hear somebody calling for help. An account posted to the uh, fire department, excuse me, to the uh, police department's uh, Facebook page said he was able to make his way through the heavy smoke condition and locate an elderly woman laying on the floor. Farron was able to remove the woman to safety, performed first aid until the uh, Winslow Township EMS arrived. Police accounts says other responding officers evacuated all the residents in the same apartment building. Uh, in addition to the uh, woman's life being saved, uh, police were able to get her pets as well, a uh, dog and a parrot, both rescued from the flames. So in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, Patrolman Gerald Farron in Winslow, New Jersey. We thank you very much for your very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, don't forget, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you'll never miss a program. Or Bearing Arms, Cam and Company on Rumble. If you prefer the audio version instead, we got you covered there as well. Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, townhall.com's podcast page. You can find us there. Just look up Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But until then, be well, be safe, and be free. Be free.